everyone. John Selflu here. Welcome to, man, episode 11 of Stage 4 Outdoors podcast. This, uh, this little thing is, is uh, getting big. We're in double digits now. So, hey, thanks for listening. You know, sometimes a simple post on Facebook can, can change your whole plans for the weekend. That's what happened to me recently. And, and because of that post, I ended up with a 50-bird trap shoot in my hometown, Attrick, where I grew up. So this is something I'd never, ever done before. I mean, I've shot clay pigeons. In fact, the morning I got married, uh, we, my dad and a couple of guys who were in, in the wedding and myself went and shot at, at this location. We went and shot and uh, shot 25 birds that day, but it certainly wasn't an organized, organized shoot. Um, and, and so th- this, this was really, really fun for me. They had several emails and messages wondering if there was going to be a podcast covering that shoot. So, hey, here we are. I'm joined by Craig Thompson. Craig and I grew up together. Uh, he's a couple of years younger than me. We spent a lot of time camping and, and uh, playing sports and goofing off as kids. And, and Craig was up there coordinating the event. So, hey, Craig, thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting me, John. Yep, glad to have you, buddy. So, let's just talk about the, the, trap, the trap club itself. I mean, my last memories of that place was certainly wasn't what it is now. So, tell me about the club and when it was formed. Um, back in about 1999-2000, there was one single house up there with a hand-load thrower. So somebody had to be in the house all the time. Every time a a target went out, they put another one in. A bunch of guys got together and decided they wanted to start shooting trap. Um, That was in, like I said, around 99 or 2000. A um, bunch of young guys did it. It they got really organized in 2001, and that's when they actually formed a league. Um, at that point, the leagues, if if you set your price right for the league for shooters and stuff, the club makes money. They uh-huh. they did they did that. Um, they went from the single load thrower to. Um, it's now called a basket thrower, automatic release. Uh, the only thing you have to really do is between between rounds down and put more birds in it. Um, it's a lot safer for everyone uh, because the old the old time thrower there was always that was somebody in the house, and if you get a broken bird, <coughs> excuse me, it it, uh, it it's basically shrapnel flying around the around the house. Yeah. Um, and and I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember stories as a kid up there shooting, like you know when we did hunter safety up there. But that just that arm itself was always kind of a threat. You get your hand in that. I remember hearing stories about that. Keep your hand out of that arm. Yes, those there's a there's a real heavy spring um, that actually releases release that when you release it, that spring comes around and that arm picks up that clay pigeon and lets it fly. Yeah. Oh, we're I mean. We're 100% safer than we were back with the single-load throwers. Um, and then after after they got that going, they kind of, um, well, and, and probably when at your wedding, day your wedding, somebody had to stand and push the button. Yep, that's right. Yep. They you, you Then they bought voice releases. Some of them are corded. Some of them are cordless. That was something. I couldn't believe that. Sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. (laughs) Um, And then, you you know, the the ones you shot on are newer releases, and they 
they're phenomenal. They're made by Canterbury. Uh, most time, I think we buy ours from a guy down in Middleton area. Okay. And when you buy them from him, he comes up, sets them up, um, programs them so you don't get um, what's called a report bird. Sometimes if, if both houses are shooting at the same time, a microphone will pick up and it'll throw another bird. It'll pick up a gunshot. Oh, yeah. For the bird. Um, but this guy programs them so you don't get any report birds. Um, and then he also will set them to different frequencies. So specific microphones have to be at a specific house, trap house, rather than, rather than, you know, guy standing at the first house calling for a bird and it's coming out of the second house. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of goofy how all that wireless stuff works up there, but. It, we seem to, we don't seem to have much problem with it anyway. I, listen, I I thought it went I thought it went very smooth. I mean, you know, when I got there on on Saturday, you guys had one going, and and then you know you and I talked a lot during, during that shoot, you know, because you were manning the computer, and and you know you said, "Geez, John, we got a lot of guys. We're going to you know open up the other trap house." So you guys got that opened up. Um, I mean, you ran quite a few shooters through there, and it certainly worked really smooth. To me, and and uh, trap houses worked, you know, when, when we shot. So yeah, it was it was pretty cool. So yep. the the actual so that's that's the that's the trap houses. Yep. So tell me a little bit about the clubhouse because that was I mean listen that was great. You, you know, it was a nice bathroom in there. It was heated. You know, you could get yourself you know some cold beer, hot dogs. Uh, Deke was making popcorn. Shit, that was fun. So tell me about the 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 house itself. Well, the. At uh, right around 2008, 2009, um, we had all we had up there was a little um, tin shed. I remember that. <laughs> you know, so if it was raining, nobody showed up to shoot. If it was cold, nobody showed up to shoot. So we decided um, we were gonna we were gonna put together a plan and build a trap house. Of course. Growing up in Ettrick, we had all kinds of shooters there, many different trades. We had concrete workers, we had carpenters, we had electricians, we had plumbers, we had everybody. Yeah. So we had to get approval from the rod and gun. We got our approval. We started going. Um, the first year, we got the shell up, windows in, doors in. We were still drinking beer out of the out of the out of coolers that we brought up from the the main rod and gun clubhouse below. Yep. Um, and yeah. always always beer after the shoots, right? Always beer. There's always but, beer there. but it's always after. That's my point. Yes. It's always after. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you can you can come and have a good time, and if you have too many beers, you can't shoot. You know? Yep. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's the way. Um, that's the way all clubs are because of the liability of insurance. Alcohol, right. alcohol and guns don't mix when you use them together, but when you're done with the guns, then the beer can come out. Absolutely. So, the, and now back, back to the clubhouse part of it. We built it the first year. Um, we had, we had our, our league the following year had uh i think that year we had 41 two-man teams 
Okay, so 80, 80 people. Yep. yep, yep. So so we paid, you know, we, we and at the end of the year, the the payout is is kind of like a fifty bird shoot. You know, you you pay you pay your top. And, and the way the way I do it with the computers, we break it down into divisions. Okay. So every year we pay four or five divisions. We pay the top two team, top three teams in each division. Um, we got done with that year. Man, we got a lot of money left over. Well, let's let's get let's get the electricians that that shoot here, put the wiring in, we'll insulate it, we'll drywall it. Um then we had uh, guys come up with a bar plan. And actually, where, where you saw the bar wasn't the original location. Okay. Our bar was actually, the, the bathroom that is, that is now was actually a storage room. Okay. And we had, we had the old porta potty outside. Well, up there, up there, we had trouble with bees. Oh sure. People show up. People get stung. They don't like to shoot trap anymore. Yeah. So we decided. We decided to. We had a. We had a meeting. A bunch of us from the club. You know, took a few beers to decide where to put the new bar. Uh huh. Now that's that's the location that we uh, where where the bar was when you saw it. That's the location there. We knocked up some or we busted up some concrete, put a bathroom in, ran it down to. Um, the septic tank down by the big clubhouse below, and that's about where we are today for <clears throat> for the clubhouse part of it. Anyway, it's you know, listen, it it was great. I mean, it, you know, it was it was a decent day that 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 day we shot a, you know here just a little bit ago last Saturday. I mean, it, you know, it certainly was comfortable. It was nice to go inside and you know get out of the wind and. And sit down, and I mean, it's it's a it's a really really nice nice facility. Um, so so good job to, to all you guys there. So, is Ettrick the only place where there are shoots, or do other club clubs have shoots as well? No, there are. Uh, let's see. Well, in the surrounding area, uh, Blair, Ettrick, Arcadia, Melrose. Um. Cataract, Black River. I mean, there you don't you don't have to drive far to shoot trap if you want if you if you don't want to drive very far. Well, so let me ask you this because when I grew up there, all those rod and gun clubs that you just mentioned were there, but they weren't all shooting traps. So this is all really taken off in like the last 15, 20 years, huh? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's really become big uh probably in the last 10 um, especially with the high school kids that, and, and you see that if you watch any kind of outdoors, uh, programming on TV, you see that all the time and that's wonderful. So, you, yep. so you got high schoolers up there. Yep. And, and, and that all came about, um, the rod and gun club president was, was up at one of our shoots and we were, we were shooting the breeze and he says, I I had talked to somebody or uh, I talked to a friend of mine that's a fellow carpenter and he lives in Minnesota. Minnesota has probably 30,000 high schools that have trap teams in them. Wow. You know, um any anywhere you shake a stick there's a trap team coming out of a high school 
and we started talking about it and he he had he had mentioned that Wisconsin was trying to get it going and all of a sudden boom there was an explosion i mean there's there's the the high school teams around here now um let's see i'm trying to think of a, a high school that does not have a trap like you know the, the lacrosse school district mm-hmm. has they call it, they they call it the central team, but there's kids from Aquinas, there's kids from Logan, and there's kids from Central. Okay, they, they all shoot on one team. Um, Holman has one on Alaska. Nope, I think that's. But see, they they also co-op with Holman. Oh, okay. Yep. You know, at at one point Holman didn't have a trap team, but they were the kids from Holman were actually going to Arcadia this year. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I'll tell you this, the, the kids that shoot are damn good because who wanted to shoot that day? Young, uh, young, yeah. young guy. Well, I forgot his name, but he's a young guy at West Salem. I shook his hand, took his picture. Hell of a nice kid. Jesse Logging, 14 years old. 14 years old, shot 49 out of 50, schooled all of us. Yep. yep. Oh, good, good for him. It's, it's, it's fun to watch him shoot because his dad used to bring him out when he was about 10 years old, Uh-huh. shot with a 20 gauge and he'd stand out there and he'd cry cause he missed birds and, and his dad wouldn't say anything. And I shot with him quite a few times and I just kept encouraging him, you know, keep your head up. You know, this, this is a, this is a, there's a lot, there's a lot of air around those birds to miss them at. Yep. Oh, and and he stuck with it, stuck with it, and yet, as you heard, persistence pays off. Yeah, hell of a nice kid. His, his whole family was nice. Yeah, they they've all they they've all uh, uh, started to follow stage four outdoors, which I'm appreciative of, appreciative of. But yeah, just nice, nice people, all of them. So and now his uh, his younger sister picked up a gun this year, and she started. Jeez, that's cool. So, do you travel to other shoots? Uh yes. I, I actually, I travel quite a bit. I try to shoot one, probably two shoots a weekend. Oh, okay. So it, uh, so you're really into it. Yeah. Last, last, last weekend I was in Melrose and they had, they had a, um, it's called a doubles. It, they, the, the thrower throws two birds at one time. Oh God. I had a hell of a time hitting one. There ain't no way I could hit two. <laughs> I, shot, uh, I shot my first, I shot the first 50, went in sitting there laughing, having a good time. They need to fill a squad. Oh yeah, I'll shoot again. I ended up shooting 150 rounds that day. Holy man. Yeah. And it was all, it was all because not a lot of clubs have doubles throwers. Uh huh. And I probably hadn't shot doubles in eight years. So I thought, well, I'll go, go over there for fun and see what it's all about. Well, then of course, you know, you get into you get in with all the Melrose guys. They like to come to Ettrick and shoot, and we like to go to Melrose and shoot. So you had to have a few adult beverages afterwards. Heck yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so listen, you grew up in Ettrick. I grew up in Ettrick. You know, that, that was, a, that was a big part of my post that, that, that ended up uh, prompting this podcast of just how cool our hometown is. But, but so you and I are both partial to our hometown, but listen, the beauty of that, I took the beauty of that trap range for granted when I grew up there. That club has to be probably the most scenic one to shoot at. Oh, yeah. I, we, that's beautiful we, up there. We shoot, we shoot a 12-week two-man league up there 
in the summertime. And so you'll have four people out there. So you always have an open spot. There's Mm. people, there's people that drive from Blair. They come from Melrose just to practice up there. Cause you know, you have an extra spot on there cause you got five, five stations Mm -hmm. come to shoot. And we've, and this, this is no kidding. As we're shooting trap, we've actually had deer and turkeys walk out on us. Brian Jacobs told me that exact same thing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they just walk out there and they're, they're not in the line of gunfire. But yep. if, and um, Saturday when you were up there, it was kind of windy. On a, on a non windy day, if you stand by the clubhouse, you can hear the shot going through the trees. Uh huh. Um, but now today, or that, the you know the the deer know where those shots are they're just over they're just over out of the, out of the range of the shotgun you know they're off off to the left or off to the right just stand there munching on the grass that's funny so i'll say this to all the listeners you know it, the driftless area in itself is beautiful and 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 craig in my hometown atrick is, is located in the, in the driftless area of wisconsin but but this clubhouse and where this rod and gun is located, it's you, you got to go up on a hill, and and you stand up there, and I mean you can look across this whole entire valley. You look literally over the top of, of the roof of the the rod and gun club, which is down below you, and and the view is just I mean it's spectacular. So if you ever want to try a shoot, man, my suggestion is, and and again I'm partial. I I, I I'm a townie, but. And go to Attrick and, and shoot there, man. It's it's just a it's just a it's just a gorgeous gorgeous place place to shoot, you know. So, Craig, listen, I left town in '96. Certainly, you weren't shooting then. When did you start shooting, and when did it become a thing for you? Um, I think I started in about 2005. Okay. 2004, 2005. It was it was one of those things. I actually live in West Salem. Um, via the back roads, it's about a half an hour to get there. Yep. Uh, a buddy of mine that I grew up with said, Hey, let's shoot trap. Okay. We started shooting trap. Well, I got into it a little more and a little more. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on, kind of on the board up there. And then all of a sudden they throw me behind the computer. I'm the scorekeeper. <laughs> you did a hell of a job with it. <laughs> yeah. The, but that's, that's one thing. Everybody, everybody says, well, man, you don't shoot well in that trick. I said, I never have when I've been keeping score. My, uh, yeah, I see. you got a lot on your mind. And listen, I mean, whether it's archery or trap or whatever, there's a lot of mental to shooting, you know. Yep. yep. And, and my mind is more sitting behind the desk at the computer. I'd be better off not shooting at our own shoots. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's still fun to shoot there. And league's a little different because, you know, I can, when we shoot the league on, on Thursday night, I've got till the following Thursday to get everything entered in the computer. Yeah, okay. So make a push where the day of the shoot, you know, there's, there's guys that come off the line, they're done shooting. They want to see where their score is. Well, I'm sitting there trying to enter them in the computer and they're taking the score sheet from me and they're. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's it's one of those things that once once you start shooting and i never had a whole lot of instruction it was basically you you know you you got to kind of learn well 
it's almost like turkey hunting. You got to pattern your gun. You mm-hmm. have to, you have to know where your gun shoots before you can break clay targets. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. The one noted thing I noticed is it was several different kinds of forms out there. I saw people standing bunch of different kinds of ways i mean you know there was it was kind of a common you know there was there was a you know common stance but it was almost like watching a major league baseball game you know with hitters people have different stances don't they yep oh yeah you know i i shoot and and i have a real goofy stance because i shoot with both my feet almost square yep i saw that you were one of the guys i noticed i'm like well that's totally different Yeah. yeah and it's uh I guess the older I get, I might have to change my stance a little bit because I, I just, I turn with, I, I swing with my hips and not my arms, uh-huh. you know, as I shoot, um, it does, I, the swing gets a little slower, the older I get, I, I have noticed that a lot of shit does buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so, I mean, if you, th- does your family shoot with you? I should have asked you that. You got any family members shooting with you? Um, my kids did when they were younger. Yeah. Um, but now I have both of them are in college and neither one of them have time to shoot. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, there's well, and like the, the logging family that you talk to, it's, it's a family event, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's father, son and daughter. And, and most of the time, um, the mother comes with. And has a few cocktails while while the family's shooting. Nice, yeah. You know, yeah. So. Yep. That's cool. So, I mean, if you really peel the onion back and, and you want to get into this, I brought up a shotgun. All you need is yep. a shotgun to do this. That's it, right? Shot shotgun and earplugs, and we sell earplugs. Yep. Yeah, and it, um, it don't need to be a fancy gun either, does it? No, no, and actually. Um, up until about two years ago, um, Mark Jacobs, um, the, who you talked to up there at the club. Yeah, he's one of the best shooters. Yep. Uh, he won that league three years in a row with a, with a Remington 870 pump. <laughs> which, which I shot with a, with a Winchester Model 120 that I got for Christmas when I was 16 years old. So, yep. <laughs> so yep. Jacobs won that with an 870, huh? Yes. Yep. It does. I mean, listen, I, I, I had a friend many, many years ago. Well, in fact, I'll say his name on, on this podcast because a lot of people know it. We, I kind of was friends with Shep who owned Shep, Shep's taxidermy in Alaska. You remember that guy, don't you? Yep. Yep. He told me, he said, don't get all hung up on, on what kind of bow or gun you got. It's just a tool. Just get really good with whatever you decide to go into the woods with. Yep. Yep. So. And, that, and that's the way it is, too. And, and the, 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 the high school parents are almost more competitive than the kids themselves sometimes uh-huh. because um, there was, there's a kid from Bangor that shoots and he's, he's pretty good. He's, he's only like a junior, so I'm not going to say his name mm-hmm. just because I don't know if there's any legal aspects to this or not. Yep. Yep. That's no, fine. But um he he'd come he'd come and shoot hundred birds with you know on the weekends and stuff to practice and his dad saw all these guns and this and that and he went out and bought him a seven thousand dollar Caesar Giuliani I think they're called 
I can, I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that name right. Holy and, man! And the kid, the kid had a, he had a BT ninety nine, which is Browning's, um, Browning single barrel trap gun. Yep. He shot it well. I mean, he shot. I shot with him. I think Wyville one day he shot a he shot a ninety eight out of a hundred. That's a good his, day. Yeah. Well, now his dad thought that he should have this high fancy gun. Well, here's what happens when you change guns: is you got to learn to shoot it all over again. Yeah. Because because not every shotgun shoots the same. Mm-hmm. You know. So here you are. You got a kid that's that's pretty good, and he goes to the state competition over in Rome, Wisconsin, and and places fairly well every year. Now you you throw this this big high dollar shotgun at him, he's got to learn to shoot it all over again. Mm-hmm. Interesting, so, interesting. Know, it, it, it's not it's not all about and like you said, it's not all about the equipment. It's about using it well. Right. Right. Well, I must need one of them high dollar guns because because my Winchester Model 120 didn't work worth a shit that day. So, <laughs> but I think that was operator error. So, so oh, you, yeah. you you talked about these guns, so you can really. I mean, listen, I, I I'm into a lot of stuff. The you know, I I, I musky fish, I walleye fish, I do all kinds of stuff. I hunt. I, I I'm just a very fortunate with with what I get to do in the outdoors. And man, you can go crazy with anything, you know. And it, from what I saw up there, it kind of appeared to be the same with this, you know, because I saw guys shooting with guns that I recognized. And then I saw these other guns and there was a, you know, big high ventilated rib on them. And, you know, oh. a, your, your gun was, you know, was, was, was like that. What, what is a, what does a high ventilated rib do? Um, well, what it does is, is I have, I, I own a, it's called a 725 trap. Okay. It's made by Browning, and and it's it everything is completely adjustable on it. You can adjust the the front of the rib up, the back, you know, the front of the rib down, back of the rib up, back of the rib down. What you have to do is is learn to learn to shoot it, and that high rib, when you know, like on a bird gun, if you're if you're pheasant hunting or something, and the bird's coming across, you you got to kind of cover the bird with a with a field gun. Yeah. Where, whereas my gun, I come up right underneath them and pull the trigger. I see the target the whole time. Okay. It's, it's just, it's basically, it's a different aim point is all that does those high ventilated ribs and stuff. They just, they just change your aim point is all they really do. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that. So, um, and another thing that I noticed, and I'm going to ask you about this, uh, you know, I saw quite a few guys wearing these, you know, they had, you know, glasses on and they had some funky looking side shields on the side of the glasses. You know, what, what was that about? <laughs> um, I don't, I, it, it's supposed to, it's supposed to take the, the side distractions away. Uh-huh. Um, I guess I've shot trap for enough years that, when when I shoulder my gun and I bear down, I don't see either guy standing beside me. Yeah, yeah. I am I am looking down I am looking down the rib and I'm looking down range. Um, I think it's a gimmick that somebody came up with and said, "Hey, let's cut these pieces of cardboard out and put them on the sides of glasses." Yep. And say, hey, 
And the only time I I know they've ever worked is we, we shoot once in a while at home and uh, in, at the gun slick there along the four lane and the wind. Um, some guys have trouble in the wind with their eyes watering. So okay. It, it kind of blocks the wind. But most time the side shields are more to take away the side distractions. But if you're really concentrating on what you're doing, you don't see anybody else other than other than the end of your gun, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of funny you call it a gimmick. With all the outdoor things that I do, man, the gimmicks that are out there, it's it's crazy what people come up with to make a buck, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So the the one thing that that me and my crew struggled with is you, and you talked earlier, I'm going to go back to it, is you you talked about this this voice activation thing. And what was interesting for us is listen, we I had my, my nephew uh, and, and his son and then a couple of the guys that, that we deer hunt with, you know, lo- local boys. And I was the only, only one from out of town. And and he got on the range and we started missing. And we, we were acting like we were just, at, you know, some backyard shoot and started talking. Well, I don't know how many how many clay pigeons we cost you guys, but we figured out real quick we had to keep our mouths shut. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that, and and you'll 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 get that once in a while, and and even at the bigger shoots, it won't be the whole line talking, mm-hmm. but you'll get a couple guys talking, or um, some of the shooters that that um, think they should break every bird every time, they'll start talking to themselves, and the birds start going out. Yeah, no, you know, no. It, Nolan who Nolan who shot with us shoots high school trap and he corrected us after oh real quickly and said, Hey guys, no talking on the lanes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that was that was interesting. But you know, so I want to touch on that. So I just mentioned Nolan. He was the one shooter out of five that had any experience with us. Um we had a gun issue. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, you know, Jason Gunner. Uh, Neil, none of us knew what we were doing, but but it it didn't matter. I mean, I was super impressed with that. I mean, you guys were all so helpful. Um, you know, my tagline for the podcast is, you know, the experience is more important than the end result. Well, man, this was that was clear in hell with this trap too, because the end result for us guys was horrible. But the way that you and and the rest of the club treated us, we 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 could have shot a fifty that day, and and it and it didn't matter. I mean, I, I thought that was, that was impressive. Are newcomers always welcome with open arms like we were, at least at your club? Yes. We, um, we, we, do, that, we do that a lot to anybody that comes there, um, especially, especially guys that have never done it before, guys that don't know anything about it. Do, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, and it, for me – you know, being in it, it's fun to watch people come up and and to see the trials and the tribulations and 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 the success. You know, if if you the way we always look at it is if you welcome them with open arms, they'll come back and shoot again. They come back and shoot again. They have some success. Oh, they might want to join the league. You know, so yeah, and it and it that's the. The other than other than a couple of clubs around here, John, you get that at every club. That's pretty special. 
yep. small town, uh, small town homegrown boys. You know, they're they're the ones that that make you feel welcome. And whether you shot, whether you broke all fifty, or whether you broke two out of fifty, it doesn't matter. Most of the time, it we're there for the fun of it. Yeah, and and that was extremely extremely uh, 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 clear and and relevant. And I mean, I I could tell that. And and in fact, when, when Brian Jacobs put the post on Facebook and I was here in my, at my home in Sun Prairie, when I saw the post on Friday night and I knew I was going to be an Etrick and and I said, you know, all skill levels welcomed and absolutely. And, and I was a little hesitant and, and I got my nephew and those other guys to shoot and they, they didn't know what they were getting into, but, I mean, you guys, I've talked to Jason two or three times since the shoot, and, and he, he too was amazed at just how, how you guys welcomed us with, with open arms. And even with a gun issue, no one got excited. And we got to shoot all our 50 birds. And, man, it was you, you guys did a really good job of, uh, of you know, welcoming us and, and showing us the ropes. And, and I'll, I'll guarantee I'll be back for that shoot next year. I, I, might, come, I might come for the August shoot as well, so – it, 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 I mean, it, it was just, it was just a whole lot of fun. So, and then when we're done, you pay some money to shoot and some people walk away with money. So tell me a little bit about the awards. So how's that work? What, what we do is you always, you always pay the top three shooters. So say you, you, you paid money to shoot um, out of, out of the total, we take the total number of shooters, the total prize money. The club takes money out for the clay targets. Well, you, then, you you guys got to pay for them. I get that. That makes sense. Yep, yep. We take our money out for the clay targets. Um, what and then what we do is we have there's a formula that we have that you you break it down. First first place gets X, uh, a percentage of the winnings. Second gets a percentage. Third gets a percentage. Then we do the Lewis classes, which is um, you don't always have to be the best shooters around because um, I think I paid, I paid out to a guy that shot 31 and a guy that shot 28. You know, they won. We paid because we had 57 shooters that day, so we paid five Lewises. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, like, like I said, and you don't you don't always have to be the best shooter to win money yeah you just sometimes you just got to be lucky to hit a lewis yeah and, and and it was clear yeah you win some money it's you know i used to fish a few musky tournaments back in the day and nobody nobody fishes musky tournaments because they think they're going to win money people fish musky tournaments for exactly the same reason that i came up and and, and did that trap shoot with you guys you know to to to, ha- to have a fun day and 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 to do something you know, so, but it, at the end of the day, if you win a little bit of money, what the hell? That's good too, right? Oh yeah, that's good. That's yeah, it, yeah it, that's just a bonus most of the time. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to sum it up like this: You can show up, you can pay to shoot with any kind of shotgun you 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 have. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. Because of the Lewis deal, you have a good chance to win some money. Shake some hands with some current friends. Listen, I shook hands with a bunch of old friends. Met some new friends. Then when I got done shooting, ate a couple of hot dogs, ate some popcorn, drank a few beers, and then just soaked in the beauty of the Driftless area up there at the Atric Rod and Gun Club. That's, that about sums it up, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. 
and, and if you if you thought it was beautiful up there now, John, you should come up in the summertime when the when the trees are all green. Those, well, those, those targets look like pumpkins up there. Yeah, that's what that's what everyone was saying. So, well, they they look they certainly didn't look like they look like crab apples to me when I was shooting on Saturday. It didn't look like pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hey, folks, listen, you got to get out and do this. I mean, I, I'm going to be back up there for sure. It, it, it was fun. Um, so, so hey, do me a favor. If you like what you hear on the podcast, let me know. Click that little subscribe button and, and share the podcast w- with your friends. Uh, just wrapping up here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be headed over to the Milwaukee Muskie Show. I'll be spent, hoping to spend some time in the Stealth Tackle booth. Uh, Stealth is a great sponsor of the podcast, so stop by the booth. And uh, check out the best leaders in the muskie fishing industry. And uh, Craig, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I, well, I didn't didn't really think this was going to be a podcast, but you did a hell of a job. So I appreciate you coming on. So thank you. Thanks for inviting me, John. I had a good time talking about this. Stuff. Good, good deal, my friend. So, hey, as always, thanks for listening to Stage Four Outdoors podcast, where the experience is more important than the end result.